Welcome to the podcast of Medora Pentecostal Church. We are a growing community of believers committed to bringing hope and building lives. We pray today's message is a blessing to you. Praise the Lord. I want you to open your Bibles with me, your device, whatever you use, your phone or your iPad. Amen. Praise God. We're going to the book of Ezekiel today, chapter 22. Ezekiel chapter 22. We're going to be walking through this a little bit this morning. I want to begin with verse 30, Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. Amen. The Bible here says, and I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it but I found none it's rather sobering text I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me before the land and I found none. I want to talk to you this morning, simply stand in the gap. Say that with me. Stand in the gap. Praise God. Heavenly Father, you are King of kings and Lord of lords. Lord, we stand in you, Lord, alone. Only in you are we righteous. Only in you are we holy. Only in you are we saved. God, we thank you, Lord, for that empowerment and impartation. Lord, I give you the praise today. Give you the glory for your word today. I give you the glory, Lord, for all you do. I ask God that you help your people today. Help us to draw closer to you and stand responsible and active in your kingdom. In Jesus' mighty name. Everybody say amen. Praise God. Lord bless you. You can be seated. My subject today is simply stand in the gap. I apologize to Sister Bev. The scriptures that I gave you, I'll be jumping around, so the order may be mixed up a little bit, but uh, I appreciate your help. Ezekiel chapter 22 speaks of the time when the people of God had vacated their core values, values of righteousness, values of holiness, Conviction, love for the word, relationship with God. And so subsequently, spiritual stiffness and moral depravity began to set in. Corruption reached from the highest to the lowest of levels in the land. And God began to speak to Ezekiel and tell him the diagnosis of the problem. The first thing he began with is in verse 25 where he says, there is a conspiracy, speaking of his land, of of his people. He says her, the conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things 
and have made their many widows in the midst thereof. That's a hard-hitting observation. These so-called prophets were supposed to be the voice for God in the land. But they became traitors of the truth. They began to run from the truth. Traitors of the truth. They conspired to be unified because it says there was a conspiracy among them. They all began to agree that what was most important was their greed, their pockets, their wallets, their lust. These beasts, these prophets, plundered the treasures of people and the precious things of God. They preached a message that filled their bank accounts rather than preaching the truth that would direct lies. They were so vicious that the Bible here, the Lord refers to them as roaring lions that had ravening the prey, tearing apart their prey, creating widows. This was the the prophets, those that were supposed to preach for God and be the voice for God were the voice of their own flesh. Then we find the Bible lists the priest, about the priest, the ones who were to be the custodians of truth and the law of God, the one who was supposed to connect God with people. They were the go-between between God and people. These, these priests went after their own agenda. In verse 26 it says, Her priests have violated my laws have violated my law and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean and have hid their eyes from my Sabbath and I am profaned among them. The priests, the ones that were to be handling the law of God, the word of God, the scriptures, were to handle it with sacred care, respect and love and honor now did violence to God's law. They perverted the law instead of preserving the law. Amen. What an indictment on priests that were supposed to be caretakers and lovers of the law now have violated God's law. Amen. What happens when someone violates God's law is they really perpetrate violence on the word of God. Amen. When they change the meaning of the holy things to unholy, they have perpetrated violence on the law of God. They didn't just merely misrepresent Scripture. They changed Scripture. They treated it violently. The priest assaulted the Word of God. Notice that it said it was his law. His law, not their law, his law. God said they ambushed his law. They defiled and desecrated his holy things. They removed the distinction between right and wrong to the point that that you could no longer distinguish between what was holy and what was unholy. The law expressed the character and holiness of God and they just assaulted that. So they, in essence, assaulted the character of God. When you try to attack the Word of God, you are really attacking the God of the Word. The law revealed what God was like. They changed it. 
The law revealed what God wants, and they changed it. These priests rewrote the law to fit who they thought God should be and what they thought God should look like. They reinvented a God that suited their wallets and suited their needs and suited their passions and suited their feelings. That sounds like something we hear today. Paul picked up the New Testament ideology of this in Romans chapter 1 when when we read that that powerful chapter that so many want to try to get away from today and ruin it and change it. In verse 18 it says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who hold the truth in unrighteousness. That was the predicament of the priest in Ezekiel's day. Verse 19 says, Because that which may be known of God is manifest in them, for God hath shown it unto them. They knew the truth, they knew the law, but they decided to change it to fit them. In verse 21 it says, Because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their own imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. So they changed, the Bible says, uh, 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 verse 22 says, professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and they changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image like corruptible man. So here's the the predicament is that I I, I don't like what his word says, so I'm going to change his word to fit my feelings. I don't like what his law says, so I'm going to change his law to fit what I want it to be because I I I don't care for a God that is like that. So let's change God to make him more palatable. Let's change God to be something close to us something like us. I want to tell you, God is not like us. When it comes to his omnipotence, when it comes to his omniscience, when it comes to his omnipresence, he's not like us. So we got to remanufacture. If we don't like what God says, we have to remanufacture his word and thus remanufacturing God. Verse 25 says, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator who is blessed, who is blessed forever. Amen. In Ezekiel's day, truth had been violated and assaulted. I want to say today, before truth is ever violated in Hollywood, it was violated behind a pulpit. Before truth is violated in the homes of America, it is violated behind the pulpits of America. I believe that if there ever was a day, we need the preachers of our generation to be like uh, 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 those old Puritan preachers uh, that stood up and declared uh, uh, sinners in the hands of an angry God. But that, that, that wouldn't... That wouldn't Jonathan Edwards was said to preach that message back in the 1700s and he preached it. His eyesight was so poor that he preached it with reading his notes in his Bible just a few inches from his face. And when he got finished, people were falling out, running to the altar, repenting and crying out to God for forgiveness. Today we want to preach a palatable message that fits our ideology. We want to feel good. We want to to make sure that we're 
we're, we're looking good in a temple. But oh, let the priest today, let the prophets today go back to the word and dig out the word. And what does the word say? It is both merciful. There's more mercy and grace in here than you could ever imagine. But there's also God's understanding of judgment and sin. The priest violated God's law. They profaned his holy things. They put no difference between the holy and the profane. They showed no difference between clean and unclean. And the Bible said they also hid their eyes from the Sabbath, which means they winked at the violations of the law and the things that God had. You know, God really doesn't mean that. God really doesn't say that's not really not what God is. He's all lovey-dovey. Everything's fine. And so thus they reshaped God to where God was profane among them. When the scriptures are considered to be polluted, when the sacred is said to be common, when distinctions between pure and profane are blurred, when Sabbath practices are disregarded, when holy practices are disregarded, then the God of those sacred scriptures, the God of those sacred holy things becomes ultimately profane and looked down upon. So we had the prophets that were messed up, we had the priests that were messed up, and then we had the princes. We find in verse 27 of Ezekiel 22, it says, her princes... In the midst thereof are like wolves, ravening the prey to shed blood and to destroy souls to get dishonest gain. All common courtesy and silver civility was now gone. Leaders were bloodthirsty bullets, bullies, manipulating the law to get what they wanted, manipulating politics to get what they wanted. These leaders were now nothing more than abusers of power, that they held themselves in absolute rulership, that their agenda was more important than, the, than, than, the, than what God would have to be said or what people needed to be. I want to take care of me and, and my, amen, so we have the prophets that were messed up and, and the priests that were messed up and the princes that were messed up. And then you had the preachers. It goes back to the prophets again in Ezekiel 22 and 28. And it says, and her prophets have dabbed them, these politicians, these princes, with untempered mortar, saying vanity and, and divining lies unto them, saying, thus saith the Lord God when the Lord had not spoken. He, the, the preachers were saying to the Boy, y'all are shouting with me today, aren't you? I'm going somewhere. Hold on. The preachers were looking at the politicians and the leaders and the princes of Israel, and they're saying, y'all are all right. They dabbed a little untempered mourners, some whitewash on them. They were, as the Pharisees in Jesus' day, whitened sepulchers on the outside, but dead man's bones on the inside. They pretended that they were solid, but they were really soiled. They pretended that they were everything was right and connected with, with God, but really they were corrupt. And so you had the princes and you had the, the prophets and you had the priests. Inevitably, you will have the people following the same mentality. 
mentality. In verse 29, it says, And the people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and needy. Yea, they have oppressed the strangers wrongfully. So now the people join the prophets and the priests and the princes in their profane activity. What does God say in all of this? He looks at it and he sees this as being a breach, as being a gap between his protection and their problem, as being a gap between their issues and his deliverance, between truth and lie. There was, a, there was something that was allowing the enemy to come in. Wherever there is a mentality like Ezekiel's day where people are turning away from God, turning away from truth, turning away from righteousness, turning away, don't need conviction of sin because if you have conviction of sin, then you got to have repentance. We don't need repentance anymore. We just want to get by. But what God said, that's a gap. There's a gap. There's a missing part here. Something is missing. Something is going on here. So the Lord said, I sought for a man among them. I'm looking among the prophets. I'm looking among the priests. I'm looking among the princes of the land. I'm looking among the people of the land. I sought for someone among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land and I, that I should not destroy it. You realize he's talking about Babylon coming in and taking Israel captive. And we look at that as, oh God, you're harsh. But God looked for mercy. God looked for grace. He wanted wanted to, but he couldn't find one person, as it were, to stand in the gap. I believe God in this day is looking at our world and seeing those that have shed truth. No longer is holy important. No longer is sacred important. No longer is there any need to talk about sin. I want to tell you the reason at the core of the shootings in America is sin. It's evil. It's wickedness. But let's not talk about wickedness of man. Why? because then we got to talk about how we can take care of that wickedness. I want to tell you, you can't legislate evil away. You cannot vote evil away. It's going to be there. It's going to take the word of God. The Lord said, I look for somebody. I'm looking for somebody. I believe in this generation, God's looking for gap standards. He's looking for men and women that will be in such a place with him that they're not following the wickedness of wayward priests. They're not following the way of uh, tickling ear preachers and not following the way of those that are just bound by wickedness in their politics. Amen. But he's looking for somebody that will say, I'll go against the crowd. When he looked for an answer for the world, he found a Noah. Only one man that I say, I'll stand in the gap. When he looked for a deliverer, he found a Moses. Amen. When he looked for a restoration of worship, he found a David. But when it come to this point, he said, I look for somebody that would stand in the gap and I couldn't find anyone. How about in this generation? As God surveys the wickedness of our generation, is he also looking for somebody that will say, I'll be a restorer of the breach. I'll stand in the gap. Amen. Nobody has to know my name. Nobody has to know who I am. Nobody has to put me in lights. I don't have to post it on Facebook. But I'll go somewhere and I'll just stand in the gap. I'll make up the hedge. 
Isaiah 58 and 12, it says that there was going to come those that they shall be of thee, shall build the old waste places. I'm going to say amen. Thou shalt raise up the foundations of many generations, and thou shalt be called the repairer of the breach the restorer of paths to dwell in. Amen. Lest you think, I, 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 I'm not preaching about we got to go back to the, to the 1900s and in 1904 and 1914 and, and 1915 and, and 1940 and 1950. Whatever your mentality is of a perfect era of your walk with God, I'm talking about in, in this very age, in this very hour, that there is something Somebody that God is calling to say, I'll stand in the gap. I'll be that person. Amen. I want to be the one that will reach over and grab a hold of some things of God to a generation that doesn't want. I believe it was Brother Anthony Megan that used the illustration of reaching to the world is that you hold on to truth. And you grab a hold of it firmly. And then you reach as far as you can. You reach as far as you can. To reach a lost soul. But don't lose truth to think you're going to reach a soul. Amen. There is a mentality today is that i got to let go of something over here to reach something over there. This world is looking for nice, friendly, seeker-friendly churches. No, they're looking for truth. And if I have to, I've got to reach and hold on to truth. I can't let go of truth to think I'm going to reach a sinner because they're looking for truth. I've got to bridge the gap in this generation in a world that is full of fake and full of frauds and full of mess. We need truth in this day. Truth to stand, but you got to hold on to it and bridge the gap to come to the other side and help somebody. Truth. Bridge the gap with truth. In the book of Revelation, in chapter 1 and verse 4, John, to the seven churches, which are in Asia. Grace be unto you and peace from him which is, which was, and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne. And verse 5 says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead, and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Listen to this verse. And hath made us Kings and priests unto God. Kings and priests unto God and his Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. The word of God directly links the offices or the operation of royalty with that of priesthood. These are seemingly divergent relationships or ministries. Most commentators look at this word and declare that this is really stating that we are a kingdom of priests. There is a magnificent connection between the concept of a priest and a king, a kingly priest. Those that are in Jesus Christ 
are a part of the priesthood. Not just the fivefold ministry. Not just the apostles. Not just prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. But the entire kingdom of God is to be a kingdom of priests. A kingdom of priests. When we consider for a moment the foundation of that kingdom of priests, the Bible says Jesus Christ is the faithful witness. This kingdom of priests has a certainty of who Christ is, who Christ is about. Jesus Christ, the faithful witness. Secondly, the kingdom of priests is submitted to the authority of Jesus Christ, who is the prince of all kings of the earth. Next we find that we as kingdom of priests experience an uncommon love because unto him that has loved us, John says. And then we are a kingdom of priests because of a dynamic sacrificial salvation whom Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the prince of the earth, the one who loved us, washed us from our sins in his own blood. We are then stated to be a kingdom of priests because of Jesus Christ, not because you're pretty, not because you've got all your act together, because he's got his act together, not because... I am perfect, spotless, and holy, but because he is perfect, spotless, and holy, and I am complete in him. Mm. About to want to preach my tonight's message. That's one of the issues when you're preaching two messages on Sunday. You get them all blend together, but I, I, I want to go down that road, so I'm reeling myself back in. Webster says that a priest is someone who functions uh, to make sacrificial offerings and perform religious duties. That is a poor understanding of biblical priesthood. Amen. In relationship to the New Testament priesthood, Mr. Webster just doesn't get it right. He doesn't cover it. Amen. The Greek word here describes one who offers sacrifice and has charge of things thereunto. But understanding priesthood is to understand the position of the priest and where the priest stands. The real meaning of priest lies in the original definition which means bridge builder. The etymology of the word undergirds the old English words like pot or bridge bridge or pontoon uh, or pontage or toll bridge. Pon, uh, the, the pontiff is that, that bridge that stands the gap between point A and point B. So essentially that is what a priest is to do. And you and I are called to be a kingdom of priests. What does that mean? We are called to stand in the gap. Wherever there's an issue, don't go running after the, the ones that are falling away from truth. Don't go running after those that are, are changing the definitions. Don't go running after those that are burying their self in false doctrine. But hold on. With one hand, grab a hold of God. And with the other hand, grab a hold of the issue. With one hand, worship God. And with the other, reach out and grab somebody else. That's what it means to stand in the gap. Peter wrote, 1 Peter 2 and 9, Ye are a chosen generation, a royal 
priesthood. Hallelujah. We operate in the king's authority and by God's power. We are a royal priesthood. Glory be to God. Doesn't matter where you were born. Doesn't matter what family you were born to. Doesn't matter what status you have. It doesn't matter if you were born into a dirt poor family. Amen. You are part of the royal priesthood. It doesn't matter if your parents own, amen, a block of Manhattan. You're still, if you're born of Jesus Christ, you're a part of a royal priesthood and your calling is to stand in the gap. I would to God in this generation in 2019 when God goes looking for gap standers and God starts looking for bridge builders and repairs of the breach that he doesn't have to just go down to one. He said, I've got tens, I've got thousands, I've got millions around the world that hear how my name, that carry my name, that stand in the gap. You're to stand in the gap on your job. You're to stand in your gap in your school. Stand in the gap in your family. Stand in the gap, whatever the cost. When I begin to preach about this, my mind goes to my dad and his method of prayer. I have some of his journals in my my desk. One time I counted 500 names he prayed for to some degree every day. Many of you, your names we're on that list. My dad prayed some of us from point A to point B, and nobody knew it. I know he did for me. When God began to look for somebody to stand in the gap, he's not looking for somebody to take a position and have a nameplate on their desk. He's not looking for somebody that wants to be seen by everybody else. But it's in the intercession of your own prayer closet that you begin to call out, don't give up. Even if it looks futile, even if it looks in vain, even if it looks like it's impossible, keep on praying. Keep on praying. Keep on praying. One of my dad's mentors, I've said it before, I say it again, showed my dad his prayer trail and standing there between two trees, he wore off the bar. And he said, I've prayed many preachers back to God right here interceding. Do we believe that today? Or do we feel like that it's got to be some other method or some other way? God's still looking for gap uh, standards and repair of the breach and hedge builders and bridge builders. We are a kingdom of priests. If that's what we were designed to do, then your prayer is not in vain. Your intercession is not in vain. Amen. Keep on believing. Keep on holding on to truth. Keep on holding on to the word of God. Keep on holding. And with the other hand, reach a hold of somebody that's in need. Paul wrote in 1 Timothy 2 and 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplication, prayers, intercessions, and giving of things be made for all men, for kings, and for all that are in authority. Amen. How about we pray for our president? How about we pray for our president? Amen. How about you pray for a president even if you don't like him? 
How about praying for a Congress, even if you don't like them? There's some of those names I want to say, God, get them, not God, save them, but God, get them. But I will tell you, this is what Paul says. Intercession is about reaching and building the gap. The only reason I believe that that judgment has not, and, 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 and has not fallen on America is because there's some gap standards. Because there's somebody that's simply saying, I'm praying, I'm praying, I'm praying. Oh, God, have mercy a few more years until I can get my loved ones in. Oh, Lord, have mercy just a few more years until we can have revival in our particular church, in my home, on my job. Amen. But I believe the darker the night, the more the intercessor has got to rise up. The darker those that leave and the priesthood leaves and the prophets leave and they go the way of the world, the more those that are standing in the gap ought to reach harder and stronger and say, I'm not moving. I'm not just standing over here on the side of truth and mocking those who are not. But but rather, I want to bridge the gap. As Isaiah 66 and 8 says, as soon as Zion travailed, she brought forth her children. I don't want to wait too late to engage the ministry of being a royal priesthood. Intercession, travailing intercession, stands in the gap for someone or something, reaching to God and reaching to them. That's intercession. Intercession often involves weeping. 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 And wrestling for the souls of men. For the souls of men and women. It's not an easy task to be a bridge builder. Because you get, you, get, you get the religious Pharisees that throw stones at you because you're reaching those that got purple hair. And you get stones thrown in you like Jesus did. Where the Bible says they looked at Jesus and raised their nose up at him and said, this man eats with sinners. <gasps> what was he doing? He was bridging the gap. He is the priest. He is the high priest that bridged the gap for you and for me. Amen. I, 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 don't want, I don't want to forget that there are those that are so far right they cannot remember what it was like to be lost but I want to stand in the gap. Hold on to truth and reach for a world that's hurting. Why? Because I'm going to stand as long as I can. Peter Venture, the Lord will give, give us a few more years of mercy, a few more years of mercy and grace. Can somebody say hallelujah? I don't want to become so desensitized to the world that I'm in that I forget to reach. I don't want to become so calloused as Lot was vexed with the filthy conversation of Sodom that I too become vexed with this world. I need to keep reaching. I need to keep reaching. I need to keep praying. How about you today? Will you be a gap stander? Will you stand in the gap? Will you make up the breach? 
Amen. The psalmist put it like this in 126 and 5, they that sow in tears shall reap in joy. I want to tell you, those of you that are reaching for your lost loved ones and you watch them, it's painful. I said it's painful. It's hurtful. It's just sometimes you just want to punch them. I thought I'd get more amens than that. Sometimes you just want to say, okay, you sorry thing, just get what's coming to you. Maybe they need that. Maybe they need consequences. But still in that, I've got to continue reaching. I've got to continue reaching. I've got to continue to stand in the gap. Whether they know it or not, I'm going to pray for them. Got to say, oh God, would you save them? Lord, would you save them? Lord, would you save them? Lord, would you save them? Amen. They that sow in tears shall reap in joy. He that goeth forth weepeth bearing precious seed shall doubtless come again with rejoicing, bringing his sheaves with him. Don't give up being in a priesthood, royal priesthood. Don't give up being a gap stander. Don't give up reaching and building up the hedge. You never know what your prayers may do. Jude writes it like this in some verse 22 of some having compassion making a difference and others save with fear pulling them out of the fire hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. I like what Charles Spurgeon said. He said it like this. If sinners be damned, at least let them leap to hell over our bodies. And if they will perish, let them perish with our arms about their knees, imploring them to stay. If hell must be filled, at least let it be filled with the teeth of our exertions and let not one go there unwarned and unprayed for. You look at the way somebody treats their family, you don't know what bridge they're gapping. Don't point your finger so quickly. I'm preaching now. (laughs) Don't point your finger so quickly at somebody that's being a gap. Well, I'd do it this way. You don't know what kind of gap they're trying to to bridge. Why don't you pray for them? Oh, God, help them. Amen. Because it will come and visit your house too. It'll come and visit your heartache, your life too. But somebody stand in the gap. Amen. Just hold on. Just hold on. Hold on. The only way we can make a difference in a world where there's such disdain for truth, an ignorance of sin, a redefining of reality, in a world that seems to be going crazy, the only thing we can do to make a difference sometimes is simply intercede, stand in the gap. Agonize with persistent intercession, prevailing prayer. Somebody say, I'm not giving up. Some of you have prayed for your relatives for years, and it looks like nothing's happened. Keep on praying anyway. Keep on praying. You never know. It may be just your intercession that's keeping them alive long enough to repent. Would you stand with me, please?
I sought for a man among them that should make up the hedge and stand in the gap before me for the land that I should not destroy it, but I found none. Sad state of affair in Ezekiel's day, but it doesn't have to be that way in our day. We deal with the same spirits. We deal with the same issues that he dealt with, the same mess, the same way that people are saying, you know, who cares whether this is right or wrong or clean or unclean or sin for sin? What's that? Just do away with it altogether. I want to do my own thing. I want to create a God my own way, my own thought. I'll make him to be what I want him to be. today that just say hey pastor I am part of that royal priesthood and I need to do my job standing in the gap just step out of the aisle come to the front and declare your priesthood as being an intercessor as being someone that stands there don't go on your feelings today don't go on your emotions today either good or bad just go on the word. Lord, in your name. In your name, I'm going to stand in the gap. In your name, I'm going to pray for my lost loved ones. In your name, Lord, I want to reach however I can. I want to reach. I don't want to give up. Oh, they're a hopeless case. Really? Really? It's just a gap that you can span. Oh, they're not hopeless. It's a gap that you can span with your prayer. Thank you for joining us today. We pray you have been encouraged. If you would like more information about Medora Pentecostal Church, you can check out our website at www.medorachurch.com. Reach from here, Lord, to others. In the name of Jesus.